Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today with Dwayne Myers, CEO and President of Dynamic Automotive in Frederick, Maryland, one of our ASA members and the first of what is going to be some of our ASA member profiles. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Tony, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you could make it. You came to my attention for a couple of reasons. Let's get one thing right out in the open. Your service advisor, Jason Sexton, was the very first winner of the Apex Service Advisor Award. So congratulations to him and your team. Yeah, we're, we're really excited for him and, and uh, happy. And, and it's well-deserved. He, uh, he, I think the main focus of why he won was because he is an educator, not just to our customers, but to actually to our other team members as well. And he's always trying to help. He loves to learn and then he loves to share being willing to give, you know, a giver, a, a teacher's a giver, like a mentor. And uh, he is that. So uh, definitely well-deserved. He's a great salesman, but you know, what it came down to is he's a better teacher. Yeah. Well, again, kudos from all of us. He, that's quite an achievement. And I am uh, delighted that it coincided with our conversation today. So, mm-hmm. but let's dive right in. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the business? Man, you're, you're stretching back, Tony. <laughs> let's see. Uh, actually, I've been around the industry and repair. I started in the army working on tanks. Ah. So I started really big mm-hmm. and I slowly got smaller. I went, I went, uh, spent three years in the, in the army working on tanks. And then I uh, got out and started working on tractor trailers. I thought, you know, it was a natural, you know, you go from really big to just big uh-huh. and worked on that for, for quite a few years, dabbled even in a little in small engine, but I met Lee and Jose, my two business partners. I was going to college actually at night. I wanted to work on cars while I was, you know, I was doing heavy duty because I had learned that in the service, but I wanted to work on cars. So I was going to college at night using my GI Bill. And one of my teachers was Jose's boss at Capital Cadillac. And he got us together because they were getting ready to open Dynamic, which was in 1995. Mm-hmm. And uh, I basically, I got to know them when they first opened it in 1997, when I graduated from college, i left heavy duty. And in 1997, I went up there and actually started working part-time. Still stayed in heavy duty, but at night and weekends, worked part-time in a little two-bay shop they had. And you said Dynamic Automotive started in 1995. When did you become the owner? Well, I'll give you a little more history that'll lead right into that. But they they opened it in 95 with just the two of them. 97, I came on board part-time. They had some other help there at the time. In 2002, they bought a second location and I came on full-time as the lead tech over there. A year later, bought property to build us this huge building I'm in right now in Urbana, which was a repair shop, quick lube, car wash, detail center. It's a 13,000 square foot building we built from the ground up. Of course, we had some struggles back then doing a ground up in such a large facility we built. But I would say it was 2008. They had decided that they needed me to be part of the team. Because I told that when I came on board, I was either going to do my own thing eventually, or I was going to join them. And they they said, hey, why don't you join us? So uh I did that in, in 2008. In 2016, we opened our fifth or fourth location and I'm getting ahead of myself there. And then uh, it was 2018, they voted me as CEO. So I went from part-time to CEO 
over the process of 20 some years. And now we're here today and we are looking for our fifth location right now. Definitely. Cause we actually, that first two bay garage last year, we opened an eight bay facility. We built from the ground up there. So we've done two builds from the ground up and that one went a lot better and has actually been doing really well. Wow. That's great. Well, you said you're working on your fifth location now, right? Yeah. Cause it, the, the two bay when we're no longer in, we, we, uh, we had to grow it cause the community was growing and all and mm-hmm. built that new facility over there. But yeah, we're, we're uh, excited about expanding some more for, for many reasons. Tell us a little bit about dynamic services. What do you offer? Uh, just general repair services or? We, of course, we work on all makes and models, but we pretty much do. We tell people everything but body work. Mm-hmm. Of course, we do do a little bit of body work, but that's not our forte. But, uh, you know, all kinds of, of maintenance, any, anything from regular quick loop services and maintenance to heavy duty repair. Of course, diagnostics, uh, you know, reprogramming, flashing, quite a bit. Pretty much if, if a car needs it, we, we can handle it. And with four locations and sounds like a lot of bays, how many technicians do you employ? It varies by shop. We have two larger shops and two smaller ones. Mm-hmm. And I want to say we have about 13, 14 technicians, but then we have, of course, some helpers and we have quickly has about eight, eight people in it because that's more of your, your hourly and we pull a lot of talent out of there and put in our apprenticeship programs to uh, put in the base to become technicians. The whole part of growing your own, uh, the quick loop actually gives us an opportunity to try out people. And, and if we see they have the ability and, and the want, we can put some knowledge and skill behind it to, to get them, as Jose would say, uh, turbocharged into the industry. Let's stick on that subject for a second, because you had mentioned something that's near and dear to my heart. You have an apprenticeship program in your business, right? Yes, we do. They've been very successful. We actually have two. We have a youth program, which is a lot like AES, when ASE had the AES program. We have a youth program that is high school. We bring them in. They get to actually, they actually get credits while, they, uh, while they're working. But it, it's brought in a lot more young talent where we were struggling for years to get young talent in the door. That's actually really helped us, which gives us opportunities because we get to see more people mm-hmm. and get the pick out of that. And then our registered program, we go through through the state. It's a three-year program where they're going to college. They're taking college classes. They're teamed up with a mentor working full-time. Uh, been very successful. Uh, we've had some real rock stars come through there. It's amazing when you give people the ingredients they need and what they can do with it and grow. And uh, we've been very happy with it. There is, there is definitely cost to it, but the benefit far outweighs it. You know, we're lucky. We have a great team, but we're not ones that's desperate for help. We, we actually have a solid team and, and our team sticks with us. So we're really happy about that. You know, finding qualified technicians is one of the biggest challenges we face as an industry. It sounds like you've got it pretty well under control. You don't have any trouble finding techs when you need them. It can always be a challenge finding the right tech mm-hmm. and the right person because, you know, we're, we're all about the team and, and getting the right person on board. But I feel we're definitely a lot better than most. When we were going from that two bay to that eight bay garage, when we were replacing our very first location, we were already grooming. We had apprentices and all already in the process. So when, that, when those doors opened, we had someone to fill in those bays. And then people hear about how we develop our team and all in training and, and how we have career paths we were able to get a couple other ATEX on board pretty quick and through COVID even made it a little easier because, you know, not everyone was taking care of their team. So people were looking. And, and if you have a, a name of someone that actually takes care of and develops, you know, actually puts something into their future, they want to come on board. Well, that's what I hear whenever I talk to some of the young folks that are in programs right now, what they're looking for is as much loyalty from their employer as the employer expects from them. 
you have a training program, I assume, for your technicians. You keep them up to speed. Yeah, actually, uh, we encourage and not necessarily uh, tell them they have to do it, mm-hmm. but they know that it's part part of being on the dynamic team. is It's training it is essential, and you're going to do it every year. And you'll you'll do local. You'll go further out and do regional, and then we do stuff across the the country too. And and it's expected when we hire. You know, during the interview, you know, it's a topic. It's such an important topic to us. We talk about it right then and there. Mm-hmm because you have to be willing to do training. Now we're going to pay you to go, you know, you're going to get paid while you're in training. We're going to pay, of course, pay for the training, the traveling and all, but you have to spend some time and and be willing to go. And if you're not willing to go, you're not a good fit for our team because everyone here knows that we're getting better. And the only way to get better is to learn. The way automotive technology is changing these days, training is, it's a given, Uh, you know, you, you have to keep learning. Things are just happening too quickly. It does, Tony. And the thing is we, we took it a step further. And I think our apprenticeship programs helped us learn what a a career path can give someone. You know, an apprenticeship program gives you a small career path of three to five years. But we have career paths basically where when we do our review process with our team is we ask them to give us a one, a three, and a five-year goal for your career. Mm -hmm. And then we take those goals. Of course, we we encourage them if they feel it's a little light. Sometimes they're a little bolsterous, which I like bold goals. It, it, It gets me excited when people are aggressive with their goals. And we help them accomplish them. You know, I have, I have a technician two years ago that told me that he wanted to take over this location. You know, so I know he's thinking about me for 10 years. And I know I have 10 years to help him get ready from being the shop foreman to the person in charge. Mm-hmm. What owner wouldn't want someone talking about them or thinking about them for 10 years? Right now, I have about seven people that want to run a location. So like I said, I need number five to come around so I, I can, I can start filling spots, but they're all in different areas. You know, some are six months, a year out, right? This one gentleman's 10 years out. We're filling our, our, our future. You know, we're able to grow because we have the talent and we're developing them as we go, but that whole goal oriented pipeline by you helping them accomplish their goals, it, the tenure and buy-in is so strong. It sounds like you have a great pipeline for growth. One of the challenges with it, again, with any business is finding the right people, not just technicians, but, you know, front end, back end, everything. Mm-hmm. What do you think is your, one of your biggest challenges? You're a multi-shop operator. You do things a little bit differently than a, than a single location. What are some of your biggest challenges that you see, especially in light of coming through the pandemic? I want to say, I think the biggest challenge for almost anyone anywhere is communication. Mm. And making sure that you're communicating clearly, properly, your goals, where you want to head. I found no matter how well you think you, t- you, you have expressed it, told people, there's always one person, especially when you get multiple shops, large groups. I mean, you're, you're talking 40 people that all have families, you know, and, and you're like, well, how did this one person miss the fact that we were doing this as a company? How was that possible? And it, it is. So I think it's a constant challenge to make sure that what you're doing is communicating. Because if you communicate properly, now everyone can get on board and, and we all can get moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. If someone's left out, of course, they feel left out and they're not going to be a part of the team. And now, now they're starting to be an anchor. We were just talking about this the other day. We, we do a leadership Zoom meeting every Tuesday. We've been doing it since March. Um, instead of meeting in person, you know, all the location leaders, our HR department, yeah. myself, Lee and Jose, we're all in this and, and uh, we're talking, you know, we, we use Slack leadership wise. Uh, we use Slack for, for communicating, but we're going to expand that now just to the whole company. Just, you know, when it comes to happy new year, you know, instead of having a text message, trying to get everyone on there, cause you know, you forgot one where there's 
everyone's there and I can put that out there because you don't want to be the guy that got left out. And that, that's probably my, I feel it's my biggest challenge because I know when we communicate, we can accomplish anything. You know, I mentioned the pandemic a minute ago. How, how was it since March? Have you, how has the dynamic weathered the storm? So they say, did you see a drop off in business? Has it come back? Where are you? I think that's pretty uh, across the board, but uh, across the industry, yeah, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, we, we uh, definitely felt a dip, especially our quick lube. Quick lube was uh, hit really hard. But, you know, as soon as we figured out what was getting ready to happen in March, about mid-March, you know, we, we had some emergency meetings with the leadership and we went and talked to them, you know, heart to heart and told them, this is what's coming. Be prepared. Um, we had quite a few team members that asked to stay home because some of them had parents that had... Uh, issues and, and, and they were high risk. Um, it thinned itself down actually naturally, which was really nice. But then, and then we slowly built back up because the quick lube, no one came into quick lube for a while. So we actually did heavy repairs and maintenance on the facility because this building's 15 years old already. And uh, we utilized the time we paid our technicians and they actually helped us work on the building. Hmm. You know, they were thankful that they were being paid, but uh, we started ramping back up. The mid-Atlantic area was a little slower. Federal government's still working from home. That's a big part of our business. Of course, the state government is as well, but uh, government workers is a big part of the the Maryland area when it comes to uh, customers. Yeah. Um, so they're not driving. So they they were you know it's a little slower coming back, but it did come back and it came back uh, pretty powerful. We prepped for it, getting ready. We did training, got our facilities ready, worked on our SOPs. Our location leaders actually wrote all our SOPs so we can replicate ourselves. Mm-hmm make it easier to open the next store without recreating the wheel. Worked on our digital inspection piece, got that even better. Talked about our inspections itself because we told them when, when it started coming back around, it would happen fast and it did. And July was uh, quite a month for sure. And it came back down a little bit, but it's it's steadied off uh, and been decent because I think a lot of people, especially people that prepared and prepared their team will tell you that, you know, car count is down, but our average repair order is definitely up. So we, we've done all right. We're thankful and feel blessed for where we're at. Well, it sounds like you have most of the elements of success just in the, your business philosophy, taking care of your people, number one, of course. But, you know, you had mentioned you worked on tanks. And by the way, thank you for your service. We appreciate that. Thanks, sir. You and I are Facebook friends as well. I noticed on your Facebook page, you have a Platoon 22. Is that one of the charities you're involved with? Actually, I am involved, thankfully involved. I'm a board member of Platoon 22, which basically is a, uh, it's about... 22 suicides a day for veterans trying to stop and prevent that. And we're in a process of raising money and, and building a veteran center for vets to help with the reintegration training, suicide prevention. So it's definitely an important part of me and, and what we do trying to uh, help out uh, something that's very important to me. Well, what do you do outside of work? Any hobbies or interests besides platoon 22 that you're doing? I do enjoy the industry. You know, I, I do a lot. I get around, we've seen each other in a lot of places, you know, in at Apex and all, but I do a lot with auto care on quite a few of their committees. And of course, you know, proud member of ASA. Uh, I enjoy the industry, but besides that, I've liked four-wheeling, done that for years, enjoy shooting for sport. And here lately, my wife's really enjoyed the fact that I, I picked up smoking meat, you know, ha- using a smoker and, and cooking dinner. She enjoys the fact that after all these years of being married, I'm starting to do a little cooking and uh, she's enjoyed that. So that, that's probably been my latest hobby. Then I, and I've been enjoying it myself. You know, it's funny you say that we have a board member up in the uh, Northwest and every year his shop has this enormous pig roast. And when COVID hit, they couldn't do it. And uh, he said, I was surprised at just how many people called me and said, Oh no, <laughs> what are you yep. going to do? 
You know, you have to have a life outside of business just for balance. And it sounds like you do. Yeah, no, it's important. Yeah, it is very important. And you would also mention you're an ASA member. Of course, we knew that. But tell us a little bit about what do you see as the value of your association membership? How's it helped your business? Well, it's a couple ways it helps. You know, there, there's many things ASA does. One of them, of course, is education. And we already talked about how important that is. And it's education across a big gamut. There's a lot of things they touch on, especially through COVID. There's been a lot of webinars on that, helping out with that. But I think one big thing that ASA does, I know AutoCare does, is is they're advocates for us as an industry. It's so important. Mm. I'm a small business owner. And to go up against an OE or a huge uh, conglomerate, it's impossible. But when someone like ASA joins us together, and, and gets us talking in one voice, you know, like with the right to repair and, and access to data, you know, things that if we're, that were taken from us, we can't do what we do. Our livelihood is gone. You know, taking care of our team is gone. Mm-hmm. And I challenge people when they talk about what you're doing is, you know, I've been on the Hill talking to my congressmen, talking to senators about data and access to data. And, and what if it was taken away from us? And I tell people, you're allowing someone else to fight your fight for your livelihood. And ASA does that. And I think more people should get on board to help you all do that because it's so important. Well, you know, it really is. One of the reasons I joined the organization, I've been working with ASA my entire career in whatever job I held. And it's gratifying to me personally to be working for an organization. I feel like I'm putting something back to the industry that has done so much for me. But you're right, you know, associations like everybody else took a pretty big hit during the uh, pandemic. And we lost some members. Uh, some shops have closed. It's happened across the country. Fortunately, ASA membership is uh, usually comprised of, of some of the uh, better shops in the industry, like yourself. So they were able to weather the storm pretty well. But, you know, we always need more help. You never have enough. It's all a numbers game when it comes to things like legislation. And without a collective voice, a large collective voice, bad things can happen. And our Washington representative, Bob Redding, has uh, has done quite a bit um, in the years he's been working for the association to help prevent some legislation that would have really done some damage mm-hmm. to the automotive uh, repair sector, especially the independent shops, simply because the legislators didn't have a clue that what they were about to propose would cause so much damage in our sector. Had it not been for the involvement of folks like Bob Redding and uh, the ASA Association and members like yourself, it's very important to know that our calls for action lately have been met with a torrent of letters and emails to Congress people just when we need them. And I can't em- overemphasize the importance of having that level of involvement, but we're always looking for a few good shops, as they say. So I want to commend you on your philosophy. I ran a shop myself for a couple of years and taking care of your people was always utmost in my mind. And I think that pays dividends beyond just having good people. You have loyal people, you have dedicated people that take care of their customers just as you take care of them. And I think, I hope that's what you've found in investing in your people. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, they are the best team. There's no doubt about it. And people say, well, how, how can you go do all these things? How can you help, you know, volunteer and all? It's because I have the best team that's out there, you know, and by developing them and all, one, it, it keeps them there and it has other people wanting in, which is great. And then, you know, we get to pick the right people that, that uh, to join our team to even make it better. I don't want to take up your entire day, but any final thoughts before I let you go? We definitely went over quite a few things. And speaking on, like speaking to your elected officials and all, I know a lot of shop owners are a little apprehensive and they're like, well, no one's going to listen to me. I said, actually, they'll listen to a business owner. 
faster than anyone because you employ people. When you employ people, you have power yeah. as far as is influence. So speak up. You know, if, if you don't know what to say, I'll tell you, call Tony. He'll get you he'll 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 get you aligned in, in, in the right spot. But it's important. Also, I think we need to keep on working, developing and educating our teams. Yeah. This industry, I tell people we're going from a trade to a profession and, and we need to treat it like a profession and to keep working at it. Cause uh, what our technicians and our people do is amazing. And we need people to understand what that is. Well, listen, there's a reason we are considered an essential business. And it was pointed out to me by one of the younger folks that I interviewed a while ago at a, at, when we were still going to live events, I was talking to some students down in Florida and I asked one of them why they wanted to get into the business and everything. And one person surprised me by saying, I want to save lives. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, think about it. You know, if I fix the brakes on a car that prevented an accident, he'll never know. But he makes a good point. What we do saves lives in the long run. And I know a lot of shops are involved. You had mentioned yourself, you're involved with some of the governmental vehicles. So police, fire, ambulances all have to have the same kind of maintenance and service. And generally, it's an independent repair shop that provides that in most cases. So we do perform an important function, and uh, we are honored to have individuals like yourself as part of the ASA family. I want to thank you for that. Uh, thank you. We appreciate all you do for us. And at some point, I got to get you back and talk about what you went through when you start building those buildings you're building. I think that would make <laughs> an interesting conversation. <laughs> Just dealing with zoning laws alone, I would imagine, would be a story. So It is a challenge and not for the faint at heart. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, like I said, we'll save that one for another day. Dwayne, I want to thank you for your time today. We have been talking with Dwayne Meyer, CEO and President of Dynamic Automotive in Maryland. Dwayne, again, thanks for the time. It's been great. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.